born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Oh, we're supposed to provoke one another, (laughs) not to anger, not to bitterness, not to meanness, but to provoke one another unto love and good works. This is for those who have trusted Christ as Savior. Uh, This is what God wants us to do because we have so much more that's better to live for. Look what else he says in verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, the day approaching is right there in the same chapter, well, chapter 9, when he talks about he's coming again. He's coming. He's coming. But he's not coming back to make another payment for sin, but he is coming back. So that day is going to happen, and the closer we believe that he's getting the more godly we ought to be. We ought to serve the Lord with all our heart. Then notice what he says in verse 26. For if we, so we were talking about, and in context, verse 19, having therefore brethren, this is believers. We, 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 all the way down through there, that's believers. So we get to verse 26. For if we, believers, sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth. He just said about drawing near, holding fast, and considering one another and provoking one another to love, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. But if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, look what he says. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. In other words, he's not coming back to make another sacrifice for sin. And you don't have to go back to the temple and make an offering for sin. See, these are Jewish believers and they were trying to get them drawn back into Judaism, back into the keeping of the law and so forth. Well, the temple was there. Now they were going to church. They went to the synagogue, yes, to preach the gospel. But Christ has established the church. Now look what else he says. In verse 27, But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fire indignation which shall devour the adversary. Now notice the next verse because it gets right back into what we just read in chapter 2. That in the Old Testament, remember he said he has spoken unto them by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by the Son. And if they were chastened, and as you read the stories in the Old Testament, it's to give you and I an idea of what the consequences were of those who obeyed and those who didn't obey. And how that God is just. And God can reward whether you serve them or you don't serve them, but you're going to get what the Bible calls, you reap what you sow. 
So now he's going back under the law and saying, he, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Without mercy. See, when you're talking about living your life and you live in rebellion to the Lord and that there's going to be judgment. And most times, uh, yes, God can be a God of mercy and you're not getting what you deserve. But most people, they harden themselves. Mercy for people who want mercy. There's some people who don't want mercy. They're not having any desire to stop anything, change anything. They're in rebellion to the Lord. And God can just, he can take them out if he wants to. He can beat the Torah out if he wants to. But this is what he's talking about. And he says here in verse 29, how much sore punishment suppose you shall he be thought worthy. In other words, this is your reward, what you deserve. Who have trodden underfoot the Son of God and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. Now, when you read chapter 10, he says he has sanctified. That's everybody who trusts Christ as Savior. You have been sanctified. I mean, you've been made pure and holy. And it never has to be done again. That's Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10, 12, and 14. But now look at this verse. Counted an unholy thing and have done despite despising God, despising his word, despising the value of their life, and rebelling against God. And verse 30, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, I will recompense. This is what he's talking about in chapter 2. And because of the what we have in Christ, how much more should we serve the Lord? Because of God's wonderful grace that he saves us by grace. But then he's given us liberty to serve. Liberty to serve is the, some people don't get this, is a sign of free will. Free will is the liberty you have to make decisions. Therefore, he says, do not abuse this liberty of yours. Now, get what else he says here. In this same verse 30, he says, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge you ought to underline those three words. Judge his people. So is God going to do right by you? One way or the other. He can get glory out of your life. And he can also get glory out of your death. You can make the decision which way it's going to be. And now, as you go down through here, you'll find out there's a lot of things. This is why he says, and just look at this. Because this is so good, it goes with chapter 2. You'll understand chapter 2 better when you understand this. Look what he says there in verse 31. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You say, well, I don't think God's going to be that hard on you. Because after all, he says there, you know, a certain fiery indignation and judgment and blah, blah, blah. Okay, just, just, just hold your place right there in chapter 10. Look there in chapter 12. Chapter 12. And look what he says. In verse 6, for whom the Lord loveth, he does what? Chasten him. Now, chasten can carry with it the idea of instructing, uh, teaching, admonishing, in a very kind way, fatherly way. But notice the next word, scourging. Uh, that's a little bit more severe. God can take you out of here. And he says there, in whenever they're talking about, you know, the Lord's Supper he says, and for this cause, many are sick, some are weak, some are, what's the next word? Dead. Sleep. So can God chasten his children? 
you can count on it. Because if he doesn't chasten you and you're rebellious to the Lord, it's still going to cost you the blessings that you could have had. It's also automatic. It costing you reward because that's time you lost. But look what he says here in this verse. He makes a statement there in verse 7. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom his father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you, hmm, isn't that strong? You're bastards and not sons. That means you're not his child. God will chasten every one of his child. Now, you can't tell if a person is a child of God because of what they're going through. You don't know if it's because God's chastening them or they got inward sins that you don't know anything about. You don't know if it just becomes a trial and a testing in the life of a godly person. So here's a person can be living a godly life, and there's a person that's living a wicked life. And the same thing happened to both. The one who's doing right, it becomes a testing to refine him even better. The other one, it looks like exactly the same, and the other one, God's chastening him. But he knows because he's not right with the Lord. When you try to say, no, he's saved because I can say he's going through this. And he's lost because you can't. The new birth is a spiritual birth. You can't see the Holy Spirit. You can't see a spiritual birth. But anyway, this whole book covers so much of the Christian life and how we're supposed to look at it. Um, The other part that I wanted you to see is look there in verse 33 of chapter 10. Chapter 33 of chapter 10, verse 33. Get it right. That's the first mistake I made this morning. In verse 33, well, let's just look there in verse 32. But call to, see that word remembrance? Remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, when you saw the truth. This goes back to chapter 6 whenever it says you saw the light, you understood, you trusted Christ as Savior. He says, ye endured a great fight of affliction. In other words, you saw the light, illuminated. And you waged a great battle. See, sometimes it's not how you start fighting or running the race. Do you have enough faith to finish the race? You say, what is faith? Well, faith is like the gasoline you put in the car. If you have a car, but you don't have any gasoline, how far are you going? Here you've got a life to live, but faith is is that power that you put into the cart so you can run on it. You can run on faith. But after a while, see, if you run out of faith, you run out of what? car ain't going to go nowhere. So as you live your Christian life, you have to keep believing and keep trusting the Lord. And keep putting faith in your gas tank. See, I had enough faith to go to Bible college. I had enough faith to go to Colorado and then enough faith to go to Georgia. Now I'm in here. And I'm going to stay here until I run out of faith. And believe that God maybe got something else. I don't know when. And where. Just keep believing God and trusting the Lord. And keep studying the word of God so that you increase in your faith. So that you can keep going further and further and further. I hope that makes sense to you. Now, but look what he says in verse 33. Partly while ye were made a gazing stock by reproaches and afflictions. And partly while you became companions of them that were so used. In other words... Paul says, I was with you. I believe this is Paul. (laughs) I can't prove that. That's Yankeeology. 
But he says, you are greatly influenced by your companions, the people you hang around. You get to the place where you don't think, I don't need church. You're saying to God, I don't need the influence of godly people in my life. I don't need to come to church and I don't need to study the Bible. I'm good enough on my own. Now, is that P-R-I-D-E or not? Now, every service you miss, every time, even on your own, that you don't look to the Lord, you don't pray to the Lord, you don't read God's word, is it costing you anything? There is, there's something you're missing that would have made the difference in your life. It could have been the wisdom that you need to make a decision two weeks down the road or four weeks down the road. See, God can give you what you need in advance. But if you don't, you'll have the problem and then you don't have the solution. And then you become frantic and trying to find an answer. And lo and behold, <laughs> it can drive you up a wall. You go nuts. Have you ever looking for something and you just go all over the Bible trying to find just that verse that will give you the answer? And God says, I, I had it ready for you two weeks ago, but you hadn't studied the Bible. If you had, I would have showed it to you. But anyway, every sin cost. He says here, for ye had compassion of me and my bonds, took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. And here's why. Knowing in yourselves, you knew this, that ye have in heaven. So are we talking to believers or not? Is the lost man ain't going to be there. Got to be talking about believers. You did this because you knew that in heaven you have a better and enduring substance. The word of God here in the book of Hebrews is better, better. How that Jesus is better than the angels. The sacrifice he made is better than all the bulls and the goats and things that they had. The salvation that we have is so much better because it's perfect. It's perfect. It saves you for how long? Forever. That has to be perfect. Only thing that can last forever has to be perfect. Now get this. In verse 35, this goes all the way back. Don't let this slip. Don't cast your confidence away. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of what? You remember those words over there, the recompense of reward in chapter 2? This is what he's talking about. You see, whenever you obey the Lord, God is going to reward you. So your rewards is because of your work. And your work is because of your confidence. And your confidence is a result of your faith. And your faith is a result of your studying the word and believing God. You see how it all feeds together. So if this is true, then I'd want to know more, more about the word of God so I can increase my faith, so I can increase my confidence, so I can increase my work, so that I can increase my reward. Doesn't it all go together? It looks like it, doesn't it? And this is what he's talking about. That's why he says, don't cast away this. Now, go back to the book of Hebrews in chapter 2. There's a very interesting statement here. When he makes the statement, the last part of verse 3. See there, verse 3. How shall God's children escape if they neglect this great salvation? In other words, if you do not live as a saved man under grace, and you live in the flesh, there's a great Price to pay. So he makes a statement of this great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord. So remember, the first part of it, Old Testament, word to the prophets, by angels and so forth. Now you're talking about Jesus Christ is here. And he is so much better. 
And he gives eternal life. And you can know that you're going to heaven. He walks with you. He doesn't leave you and all these things. And notice what's uh, interesting here. When he makes a statement, spoken by the Lord was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. The word of God. The word of God. That began to be spoke by the word, the Lord, Jesus Christ, when he came. John chapter 1. Says some mighty wonderful things. Now we want to know, what about those that were right after Christ when he told them about go into all the world and preach the gospel and what's going to happen? So take your Bible and look at this. Mark chapter 16. The book of Mark and chapter 16. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Mark chapter 16. And you'll see the value of comparing Scripture with Scripture because the Bible teaches the Bible. In verse 15, verse 15, in chapter 16 of Mark, And he said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every preacher. Did I read it right? Every person in here ought to know if you're looking at your Bible that I didn't say it right. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. So whether you're damned or not because you did not believe. And I believe the baptism here means to be cleansed by the Holy Spirit. Anyway, verse 17. And these, get this, these signs shall follow them that believe. Uh Uh-oh. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I can see why some people in about 2nd, 3rd century, they wanted to take these scriptures out of here. And so they go all the way back and say these last few verses. that They don't believe in the oldest manuscripts and so therefore they don't, they don't count. There might have been somebody that tried to do some of this here and they died. <laughs> or they looked at the signs and say, hey, uh, these signs didn't follow me. Therefore, this here, this can't be true. So let's just cut this out. So that doesn't belong in the Bible. No, I believe it belongs in the Bible. But now you can get very confused very quickly if you stop there. But look what he says in verse 19. So then after the Lord had, past tense, spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven sat on the right hand of God. Now look in verse 20. And they went, past tense, forth, and preached, past tense, everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. The reason for the signs was to confirm the word. They were able to speak in different languages and they could do all the things that they did and they did all kinds of miracles to confirm the word. See, they didn't have the New Testament. We do. So the word was confirmed to them that heard him. Now get this. Go all the way back now to the book. So 
what he's talking about in the book of Mark, by the time the book of Mark was written, they had already done what he said do. By the time Mark was written, what he told them to do was past tense. Now go back there to the Hebrews in chapter 2. And he makes this statement. Now look again in verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, that's Christ, was confirmed. And how did he confirm? There were signs and miracles and so forth that they did and confirmed unto us by them that heard him. So those who heard him speak and say these signs will follow and blah, 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 blah. Well, they did. So now they are saying these were confirmed unto us by them that heard them. So what Christ told them to do and confirming the word by the sign, it's already past tense. It's done. Now get what else he says. In verse God, uh, verse 4, God also bearing them witness with signs and wonders, with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So this was done. So what we have... The word of God is so important that God says, now, we ought not let this opportunity slip by. The privilege that God has given to us to serve him is such a wonderful thing. I would hate it that all of this stuff be true. And my father-in-law had never led me to Christ. Wouldn't that have been a terrible thing? But he did. He led me to the Lord. Then he began to whet my appetite just a little bit. So I began to read and study it. What if I had let this great opportunity to live my life for the Lord, if I had let it slip by? But it's the greatest thing in all the world that God can take a little old dumb George of barefooted hillbilly and teach him the word of God and be able to use him. I think it's a miracle. That is a miracle. Now, we only got a couple minutes left. And I think before I get into verse Five through the rest of this, it goes together. And I don't want to dissect it here in just a couple minutes. So let's have a word of prayer. I do want to explain this to you. Nobody's perfect. There's only one that's perfect, and that's God. Let me show you this. This hand represents you and me. This wallet represents everything we've done that's wrong. We've all sinned. So God says because of sin, and that's the evidence, we got to know sinful nature. Why do I do all these bad things? Because you got a sinful nature. It's your nature. Why does a dog bark? It's the nature of the dog to bark. But wouldn't it be a shame to tell the dog, Dog, you stop acting like a dog, and I'll make you a chicken. When can the dog stop acting like a dog? That's why there's preachers that tell people, stop your sinning. Turn from all of your sin. Don't sin anymore. You're right. Nobody can do that. It's impossible. You can't turn from your sins. Why? It's on the inside. That's the nature that you have. That's why you do all those bad things. You can pick the apples off the tree, but that doesn't change it from being an apple tree. But God so loved the world. He loves you. He loves me. He hates what we do wrong. And for us to pay for this sin is eternal separation from God and hell. And Jesus said, he's looking for the fruits of righteousness, and there aren't any. He's looking for perfection. There aren't any. So he says, he's going to lay the axe to the root of the tree. It means he cuts down every tree. 
that's not perfect. That's why the wages of sin is death. That's why we're all going to die. And because of that, we're all condemned to hell. So there is no hope for man by man. You can't stop it. You can't change it. You can't help it. You're in a heap of trouble. And this is what God did for us. See, God says he wants us to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, you've got to be perfect, as righteous as God. None of us are perfect. We've all done things wrong. Nobody's good enough. So God says you cannot save yourself. People have heard about this all their life. Let this hand represent Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he didn't have to be cut down. So why did he die? Well, it's very simple. He took our sins and died in our place. Paid for all of our sins, came back from the dead, and God said that if we would believe, he did it for us. Aren't you glad he didn't tell you to do something hard and complicated? All he says, this is all you have to do to go to heaven, is will you believe that I pay for your sins? You see, if I believe he paid for my sins, I'm not trying to pay for my sins. See, I'm not going to church to try to pay for my sins. You know, if I do enough good, it'll pay for the bad. I'm not giving money to pay for my sins. I'm not trying to pray to pay for my sins. I'm not doing anything to pay for my sins. I'm not doing anything to try to earn my way to heaven. I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did. Christ paid for my sins. And if I believe he did it for me, he puts the payment to my account and I go to heaven on what Christ did. You got it? Let's pray, shall we? If you're here this morning and perhaps you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want you to understand you don't have to live the life. You don't have to promise to live a Christian life. You don't have to promise God you're going to stop anything or join anything. Friend, that would just make you a religious hypocrite. Christ died for your sins. The only way you'll ever get to heaven is to believe he did it for you. You don't have to join this church. You don't have to give any money. I don't want anything from you. I want you to receive something. You see, the Lord offers you eternal life as a gift. And if you accept it, you would have it. Will you believe it? If you were here this morning and say, Preacher, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ as my Savior right now. Friend, I'd love to know it. I'd love to have prayer for you. And I'm going to ask you in just a moment to slip your hand up. Raising your hand does not save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense. And you said, that made sense to me, and I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior. Is there anyone at all before we close? Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down and say, that made sense to me. Yes, God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you. I appreciate that. Anyone else? Just slip it up very quickly. Say that I'm not going to have you forward. not going to embarrass you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? Yes, God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? See, if you trust Christ right now as your Savior, God said he would save you right now, give you eternal life, and you can know that you're going to heaven when you die because he loves you so much. Anyone else before we close? Our Father, we thank you so much for the free gift of eternal life. You love us so much. 
And Lord, I thank you for each one of these that by an uplifted hand have indicated that they would trust Christ as their Savior. We know that when they do so, you promised in your word to give them eternal life and that they would become your child, that you'd never cast them out and never lose them. We thank you so much for all you've done for us and for giving it to us in such a way that we can have it and understand it. It's free. And that you'll never take and cast us out, never lose us. And Father, we can know that we're going to heaven. Thank you so much. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.